action. Welcome to Torn Stubs, a trash movie podcast with me, Robert Gershenson, photographer and head of podcast at Trash, which can be found at movetotrash.co.uk and Joshua Winning, the greatest film critic you've never heard of. And we're going to the movies. We continue our celebration of the films of Xavier Dolan by watching Lawrence Anyways, his third film. So he made this film in 2012 and it was after Heartbeat. We didn't cover Heartbeat on the podcast this time round because... We covered it in series one. So if you haven't yet listened to our episode on Heartbeat, go and listen to that and then come back here. Lawrence Anyways. Lawrence Anyways. Anyways, Lawrence. Anyways, Lawrence. Lawrence Anyways sees Lawrence and his girlfriend, Fred, and they've been going out for about two years. And they seem to be very much in love and their lives are very much integrated into each other's. And then suddenly Lawrence comes out as trans. So we then see over the next 10 years how that affects their relationship and also what direction their lives go in. Had you seen this before? No, I've owned it for about a year and it's been sitting on my shelf and I've been thinking, right, I do really want to watch it. I I know it's two hours and 40 minutes. I'm sure I can find the time to watch it. And then I didn't. But then you said, let's do it for the podcast. So yeah, I I actually had a a reason to sit down and watch Lawrence Anyways, which I thought was called Lawrence Always, but (laughs) it's not. And I thought it was called Lawrence Always until about an hour ago when Google corrected me. But that's weird because Lawrence Anyways. I've always thought it was. Yeah, I've always thought it was always. I thought it was always because it was like, I'll always be Lawrence no matter what happens. Yeah, maybe it's a translation thing. I think it's just us being stupid and not reading the actual title of the film. That's never happened before. Yeah, I know. It's really bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. I've also owned it for a while and not yet watched oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah. So we've both watched it for the first time for this? For this, yes, okay. exactly. Exactly. And it feels huge. Yeah, it feels like, like his... going into it, it feels epic. It feels... Yeah. There's a two hour and 41 minute film and it's set over 10 years. And it's so long, it almost feels like it's made in real time. It's so much bigger in terms of scale and concept than his previous two films. And 100%. You can, you can understand, because Lawrence, anyway, was meant to be his second film, but he didn't get funding together in time. So then he went off and made Heartbeats instead, oh, okay. uh, which is a much more small, much smaller, more um, kind of manageable film. Yes. Whereas this is big. It's got so many locations. It's you know, takes place over a 10 year period. Like you said, it has lots of costume changes and. Well, it's it's a multiple period piece. Right. Which is expensive and takes time. So you can see why it took him a while. I mean, he made it when he was 24. So it was only Mm. four years after his first film. Yes. So it didn't take that long, but it still took him a bit longer to make it. But it's the emotion and the relationships that really keep it grounded from being this big bloated, Hollywood style epic it's very much an indie film over two hours and 40 minutes yeah it could have become really unruly yeah and the second half for me is a bit problematic but I think that yeah it it didn't it didn't get bloated and it didn't kind of get lost It, it did still tell a very kind of contained story about this relationship and it was always focused on this relationship how did you feel about the aspect ratio Oh, I loved it. I thought it was really cool, actually. 
because I that's that's what films used to look like when I watched them on TV. Like <laughs> yeah. I've watched more films in that ratio than I have not in that ratio because widescreen for me only came in when DVDs started. Ah. So my first DVD was Gladiator, and that would have been two thousand and two or three, I think, yeah. when I got that on DVD. So I had twenty years of watching films at what is that four three aspect yeah, ratio? Yeah, four by three. Yeah. So going back to that was great. It was just like oh. I'm, I feel like I'm watching something that I should have watched years ago. I love the fact that A, it's set in the 90s, so the aspect ratio made sense. Yeah. But also, from a character point of view, the 4 by 3 ratio is really claustrophobic now because we're so used to it being the full well, you, width of the screen. Yeah. But the the ratio being so claustrophobic just completely matches how Lawrence must feel in that body. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder if that's why he chose it. I wouldn't be surprised, but he is that sort of filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah, I do like the fact that it has that emotional kind of reason behind it. And I like the fact that it's not just randomly thrown in there for no reason. It is because it's in the 90s and that's what films looked like in the 90s on yeah. TV. It was great. I, yeah, I think that's exactly the kind of reason you watch a Xavier Dolan film is for that kind of little finesse that he brings, that, that unique stamp that he brings to his films how dedicated was fred his girlfriend hugely she completely fucked up her entire life trying to be a good person and trying to be the kind of person that she felt lawrence needed in his life you know it completely messed her up it's, it's so what really... did she do what things did she because she, she her initial reaction was very it was very negative her mm. initial reaction yeah, she does, she assumes that he's gay. She becomes extremely vulnerable. She feels that he's been lying to her this whole time. Um, and she feels like, you know, they, they appear to have a great sex life and suddenly she feels really, um, uh, that you know, she wasn't fulfilling something for him. And yeah, it, it messes with, with their relationship. It makes it more complicated than just two people being in love because there's something else happening as well. Hmm. And yeah, so she, you can see her trying so hard and then it kind of comes to a head with that absolutely amazing Saturday brunch scene, <laughs> yeah. which is just thinking about it now just gives me chills because it's such an amazing film. It's got uh, that scene is such an amazing scene where basically, you know, uh, Fred and Lawrence are having, Sunday lunch in yeah. this, this very busy little cafe. Saturday lunch. Sunday brunch is a TV show here <laughs> <laughs> that they usually talk about football and stuff. Exactly. <laughs> and he's, uh, Lawrence is now, we should probably say she, Lawrence is now wearing women's clothing, dressing as a woman. Presenting as female, yes. Presenting as female. And the the, the kind of older uh, waitress keeps coming over and asking questions and just generally kind of making them feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Was and Lawrence uncomfortable? I don't think he was too fussed, probably because he she had got used to it. Yeah. Um, but Fred definitely but took offence. Fred suddenly snapped. And it wasn't necessarily the way the, the waitress was behaving. It was just the, the final straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. And she unleashes this tirade against this waitress that is really raw and angry so angry like her veins are popping out she goes bright red in the face it's almost like she's a, a dog on a leash just like straining just like desperate just to unburden herself and she reminded me of Alyssa in chasing amy oh yeah yeah 
that kind of just constant barrage of rage it doesn't let up and it's just like a flood like the blood out of the lift in the shining yeah and you just realize that she's been keeping a lid on this for so long because it comes it comes pretty much i think about an hour in and she's already gone through the she was she's already booked an abortion yeah so she's already done that she's already had the stress of that situation as well um so yeah i think fred is really trying and i actually found her a lot more interesting in terms of a character than I did Lawrence. Oh, really? Yeah, I think I feel like Lawrence got lost halfway through the film and actually Lawrence became less and less interesting as the film went on. And she, uh, Fred, what the actress Suzanne Clement, she actually just got better and better and more interesting. And she's the one who was awarded, you know, awards at Cannes and all this and all over the place. She's the one who's become really celebrated for this film, not... Lawrence which is kind of a bit sad yes because it's about Lawrence it's, yes it's it's her story well so, is it just Lawrence's story well it ends up not actually being Lawrence's story because it's about the two of them mm-hmm. but how did you feel about the the way it portrayed Lawrence's journey kind of into womanhood because it becomes less and less about that I think it's uh, I think to answer that I have to consider the film in a in a different way. And I have to, I'm going to ask you a question. As I'm Jewish, I'm going to ask a question. Okay. To well, answer I'm, a question. I'm Catholic, so I'll dodge it. <laughs> How? I'm not actually Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> you were raised in some sort of dom- no, denomination, weren't you? Completely atheist now, so. <laughs> um, you're listening to Atheist Radio <laughs> with Josh Rubinin. How does this stand as a trans story? Uh, for me, it doesn't necessarily feel like a trans story because it almost feels that feels like we don't I don't feel like I learned that much about the trans experience I learned about perhaps what it's like to be a trans person in a relationship and trying to make that work but I don't feel like the film really portrayed the experience of a trans person as well as films like A Fantastic Woman where it's being being trans in a fantastic woman is is integral to the plot and the character in a huge way whereas with Lawrence anyways that almost becomes an afterthought like that's the initial that's kind of the inciting incident for the film that's the moment where you know the equilibrium of their relationship is irrevocably changed forever um but that actually becomes less and less of, less of a thing as the film goes along which is kind of fine mm. not to make a big deal of it because maybe it isn't that much of a big deal. It would have been in the 90s, absolutely. I just, I, how did you feel about it? Again, I'm going to ask another question. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel it would differ if it had been made by a trans person? Uh, mm, I don't know, actually. I couldn't, I'm not trans myself, so I don't know wh- how it would feel to 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 tell my story i don't i don't really know i i wonder if it would have focused more on lawrence and less on fred because we follow fred at times on her own Mm. Um, i wonder if it would have focused solely on lawrence and her journey without relying so much on the relationship what what do you think there's always a there's a there's always a big argument and a big thing in culture and the press that the only people who should be telling 
certain stories of the people involved with that story. So gay people should only be playing, or, or gay characters should only be portrayed by gay people. Trans people should be portraying trans people. Trans films should always be made by trans people. I think it's important that films like this happen because this film is really from an objective point of view. Really, the film could be about anything. It's really about a couple who go through something and then we see how they react and how they change and how they morph in reaction to the thing that happened. It just so happens that in this one, it's about one of them coming out as trans. If it was made by a trans person, I don't think it would have been as objective because it's not fully sympathetic to Lawrence and it's not fully sympathetic to Fred. It is very much a smack bang in the middle. Let's not pick a side. Let's just watch how they develop. But I, I wonder if it was made by a trans person, would that trans filmmaker be able to be objective enough to maybe show how coming out affects other people yeah well I, I suppose it depends on what your objective is like if you were a trans director making a film about a trans woman coming out in her relationship is your objective to explore that transition you know that experience clearly xavier dolan's uh, objective was to explore the relationship as a whole yeah and it's kind of it's very much an equal it's a it's a two-hander in terms of they both Lawrence and Fred have equal bearing on the narrative so you see uh, Fred discover she's pregnant and decide to get the abortion which maybe you wouldn't have seen if the, the objective of the story was that Lawrence it's Lawrence's story and she is the main perspective yeah so she maybe would have found that out later but you wouldn't have followed Fred into a pharmacy where she discovers that she's pregnant but so. we also might not have something like that that can that has the potential to show the trans character in a bad light by association that the the sympathy stirred in the audience might be such that they say look at this trans person wrecking this young girl's life hmm. she's having to get an abortion what a hideous thing for this girl to go through how dare the trans person the trans filmmaker and i'm only speculating here there might be a, a tendency to not allow the trans story to be shown in a bad light. Mm. And we see this with a lot of crappy uh, gay films. Yeah. Coming out films are usually always from the point of view of the young gay character. They don't often allow anything to be as, as, as truthful as real life, which is, yes, it can affect other people and... Absolutely, the gay kid should be happy. But it's interesting to look at the, the other sides of the predicament. It's not even a, an argument. It's not saying this one's right, this one's wrong. Mm. It's, just, it's just having an objective viewpoint and saying, look at the fallout from this situation. Let's hope that the trans character is deeply, deeply happy. But it's also interesting to look over here and go, well, look at the, the ripples, look at the effects of everything. Yeah, and I think that's actually, I was, as you were talking about that, I thought of Boy Erased, which came out this year. Mm, I haven't seen is, it yet. It's not perfect, but it's got some great stuff in it. But when you look at it, it's a straight director 
he's directing mostly straight actors. Lucas Hedges has said that he's not totally uh, heterosexual. He's mm-hmm. not saying he's not saying he's bisexual or, or gay or whatever, but he's maybe not. He's maybe he doesn't want to put a label on it. Maybe. Um, but that's that's an interesting film because it is about a very specifically gay experience. Mm. But it it does do it from a certain degree of objectivity because it shows you his mother, Nicole Kidman's reaction. It shows you his father, Russell Crowe's reaction. And um, it, yeah, it, even though the film isn't perfect and I still kind of take slight umbrage to the fact that Lucas Hedges doesn't really show any real affection to even the guy that he is supposedly really into. Mm-hmm. Um, Troy Sivan. The... Who? Blue-eyed guy. Singer. No, Australian. no, not him. Oh, okay. No. Oh, yeah, he was in RuPaul recently. Um, yes, he was. <laughs> but it does give you a, a good... It does give you a good kind of perspective on how it has affected his, his parents as well. And yeah. it, it's, that's one of the strongest aspects of the film. So, yeah, maybe that does apply to uh, Lawrence anyways. As well. I, the, the last thing I want is for a film to be forcing a ideology down my throat. I don't want to watch propaganda. The whole point of a drama... You know, I like watching drama and the whole point of a drama is that there's drama. Yeah. So if if I'm only seeing the happy side of any sort of situation, it's really boring. <laughs> you kind of want to see both sides of the coin. Yeah. And it's not a case of me saying, I really want the trans person to fail. I really want the gay person to fail. I just want to watch a good movie that shows me both sides of the story. Mm. I think- and I think this film does that. And it does yeah. it really well. Yeah. I just think that people are getting very confused about representation, diversity in film, and the responsibility of a film to tell a good story, but also, you know, have good uh, representation and diversity. It's just mm. kind of, it, it's imposing a set of rules and restrictions on a fiction, a piece of fiction. Yeah. It's like, what do you want? Do you want a really realistic, boring film? Or do you want a good bit of drama that maybe kind of takes a few shortcuts? Always drama. Yeah. Tell a good story is what I say. Yeah. Tell a good story. And he's done that here. He's, he's done this really well because there's really, really interesting side characters. Does Lawrence's mum love him? Oh. Well, because she says... I never, I never recognised you as a son. Or I never felt close to you as a son, but I do as a daughter. Yeah, she said, we've never really bonded. Yeah. And she says, I never saw you as my son, but I do see you as my daughter. But she says that quite late in the film. Yeah, very late. And I don't think the film really earns that statement either because you don't really have that many scenes between her and her mother. So you don't really feel that... Don't, I didn't feel that like was genuine. It felt a bit odd. Well, she does... I mean... At one point, Lawrence gets beaten up and then he phones her, but she mm. kind of hangs up because she needs to protect the father. Yeah. But then later on, she smashes the TV, which symbolises the fact that she is... Um, not, not the guy protecting, who's going to carry the TV. <laughs> was not protecting the, the father anymore and she's yeah. sticking up for Lawrence. Yeah. That's that's another strange maternal relationship yeah. in, in a Xavier Dolan film. <laughs> Like she, what's the other thing that she says that was just a bit like, oh, oh, she says, um, never let yourself be surprised, which I thought was a great thing to say, because I'm always thinking that, like, 
um, always be prepared, never be surprised, always be prepared. Yeah. And so she said that she thought he would be gay or thought she would be gay. And then she turned out to be a woman instead. So yeah, that's, that was a really interesting relationship, but I'm glad that it was more of a prop or support for the main narrative rather than another film about Xavier Dolan and his mother. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. But I thought that was a really great moment when Lawrence comes out to his mother because it comes right after she's come out to Fred. And Xavier Dolan does a great thing where he doesn't actually film the coming out scene. He doesn't have the scene where Lawrence says, hello, I'm a woman, I'm, I'm trapped in a man's body. Yes. And then there's a reaction shot. Oh my God, what? Like that just isn't in the film. Instead, we have the fallout of that scene, which is far more interesting. Mm. You know, that's a great, great editing technique because it, it cuts short any kind of boring rote melodrama and it actually deals with the fallout. It's like Happily Ever After. You never see what happens after Happily Ever After. And then with this, it's kind of that, same kind of logic mm-hmm. is you don't see the big bomb going going off, but you see you see the fallout. You see the fallout of the bomb. I love the, I love the fact that the girlfriend is called Fred. Already they're playing with mm. sort of inverted gender norms. Yeah, that's true. I, I never didn't even think of that. Yeah, and she was so good. And I completely forgot that she was the teacher in um, I Killed Your Mother. Was she? Yes. I didn't. I didn't even put that together. She yeah. doesn't. She's unrecognisable. I know. It's, that's and it's her. like, what, a mere couple of years later? Yeah, it's a couple of years later. And she's Maybe it's got the, that, the that red, hair, red hair. That awful hair. <laughs> thrown off by the red hair. It's like, run, load, or run. Yeah, she's wow. just so, so good in this. That's what two amazingly different performances. Because yeah. she's so well kept together and so calm. And so she is the mother figure that Hubert needed. Yeah. The kind of mother that Hubert needed. And here she's so fiery and her life is a mess. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's just a party animal, isn't she? Yeah, she reminds me of um, the young girl in Four Weddings and a Funeral, the one that lives with Hugh Grant. Oh, okay. I've never like seen a, that. You've never seen it. So sort of a young party yeah. girl, a bit like, oh, she, sort your fucking life out. Was she Alice in Brooklyn of Dibley? Emma no, Chambers? no, not her. No, 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 no. Oh, poor old Emma Chambers. Well, they're both dead now, aren't they? Hugh Grant? No, no, no. The one who I'm talking about, the girl from Four Weddings, and also... Really? The one from Vicar of Dibley. The Richard Curtis effect. How do you feel about the Rose family he became a part of? Eh? The band of drag queens and... and, I completely um, forgot about them. (laughs) And trans people and sort of ne'er-do-wells and societal rejects. Well, that's kind of where I thought the film started to lose its focus because we're, we're supposed to feel like Lawrence has kind of found her people and she's being accepted, but we never felt that she wasn't accepted. There was this weird kind of utopian reaction to her coming out in school, especially, Yeah, you know, she can 38 minutes into the film. She's walking down the corridor in her power feminine suit and yeah. the class doesn't react, which is a lovely moment because it's like, oh good, they just want to learn. That would never happen in the 90s. They would all be either laughing their heads off or going, what the fuck is going on here? I'm yeah. sorry, that wouldn't happen. Um, and then... Well, we don't know. We didn't grow up in Canada. We didn't. Maybe it is that beautiful and accepting. Yeah. We'd like to think so. Maybe it is. Good, go for Canada. Um, 
and also the teacher but it's probably not <laughs> yeah the teacher who turns out to be gay also accepts oh well, i just assumed well. he was gay anyway yeah but maybe it wasn't it wasn't stated until later on when we see him i just i just yeah. assumed i mean like he was very um he felt like he was acting in a different film he was just kind of loopy clown man <laughs> i just saw him as sort of standard foreign language film yeah. sidekick <laughs> <laughs> but we never really felt apart from when lawrence does get kicked out of the school hmm. we never feel that she isn't accepted really she has she does get beaten up in the street obviously that's horrific and should never have happened but we never really feel that she's struggling yeah she she kind of like none of her friends have rejected her so her why does she feel the need to be with these people it's yeah. great that she is with these people and it's not like she had it's not like she has to choose between the two no that's how the film reads that suddenly yeah. she's got this new family yeah, she doesn't yeah. need anyone else she doesn't even need fred but lawrence is never really overwrought or doesn't seem traumatized she smiles when she's discussing when it is the fallout scenes with her mother and her girlfriend, yeah. she's very relaxed and smiley and kind of a bit playful about the whole thing. Seems at peace about everything. Yeah. Um, which is lovely and a, a refreshing development that I wasn't expecting. But it does completely kind of remove the drama. Yes. They could have, they could have been drama found in different ways. But having Lawrence be so perfectly kind of dancing through this transitionary period just felt slightly disingenuous and and also on just as a narrative sense removed any drama so when that that band of um old ladies in lovely theatrical makeup turns up it's just a bit like I don't really understand what's happening here Yes, I feel like he, uh, she, Lawrence is finding her people, but she never lost. She didn't her people. need them. I feel especially it's a, because she doesn't bond with the the other trans character. Just the one with the star on his yeah his collar. Yeah, that's the character I thought. Right, this is Lawrence is gonna have this joyful romance. Maybe not even a romance, just like a like a bromance or a, a cismance. Yeah. Cismance. Um But that never happened, so it just felt a bit pointless. I feel it's a. A queer film trope that you have to have this band of sort of rejects from society like a band of raggy dolls and they all live together in like a dilapidated house there's a film called house of boys that reminds me of uh, stephen fry was in the film udo Kier was in the film and they have that sort of setup as well hmm. it's weird it's, it's almost like we have to find our people but yeah i my people are straight and gay and women and men and i don't have i mean you were kind of part of my group of gay friends but uh-huh. you know well, back got, in the day yeah but we that's not everyone that's not no. everything and we but, don't but we never sat around going oh aren't we gay like <laughs> oh isn't this great i did <laughs> i really love those times joshua um, do you think the film has a, a good sense of tragedy well, like, how do you think tragedy plays into the film? I'm not entirely sure if it does. Fred has an abortion, so it doesn't interfere in Lawrence's life, but also potentially in her life as an actress. Hmm. And but at one point, I thought she was 
pregnant because they weren't showing her from the shoulders down. I don't know, was there any tragedy? Are we meant to feel that it's tragic that they never got together? Because Lawrence kind of squashes that when she says, you know, regardless, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, regardless of the transition, I don't think we would have made it anyway. Yeah. I was just thinking about the moment when Lawrence says, we can't have it all. And it's, she's, she says it to Fred and it's kind of, is she making a point about the fact that she can't have, she can't be a woman and have Fred? Or is it that she can't be a woman and have a relationship or, you know, what, I don't, I didn't really understand what she meant by that. And that's kind of a tragic thing to say, but I didn't really understand what she meant. Well, is she saying that to Fred in a way of comforting Fred, letting Fred down Mm. in a much nicer way than saying, no, we're never going to happen? Is it a case of saying, I need to be the person I was born to be, which means I can't have you as well? Or to Fred, you can't have me. You can't have me. (laughs) Yeah. But does it read as tragic? I felt like it was going for tragedy especially because the last scene is that kind of poignant thing where you see when Lawrence and Fred first met on that set yes and that that's a really it's a really interesting way to end the film because why are we being shown that yeah because the the relationship is has ended they've had that scene in the bar those people don't exist anymore necessarily she's now Lawrence and Fred is a different person to who she was at that point. Yeah. But they've had that scene in the bar where, this is how I read it, Lawrence is not necessarily bathed in blue, but the mm. cool, the tones are very cool. She's very calm. I think she's found, she's found a calm and she's found a, con- a contentment in life. And Fred is in the toilet, but it's very harsh and red yeah. and very extreme. And when she comes out, it's very windy and all the leaves and it, she's clearly in a lot of turmoil. I think the reason we see them meeting on the film set in, a, in 1987 is her memory. That's how she wants to remember Lawrence. She doesn't want to remember Lawrence as who she became. She wants to remember Lawrence about who he used to be. Yeah. No, I think you're right, actually. And if that is the case, never... then that is a tragedy. Yeah. That is a, a tragedy because she now has to live with a memory of someone who doesn't exist in the way that she wants her to exist. She can't have everything. But it also makes it her story that then, if that's the, if that's what we're taking from it, it's her story, it's not Lawrence's. But maybe that's okay. Maybe it's, it's not necessarily, or it's not, as we said, it's not all about Lawrence, is it? It's yeah. about both of them. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Xavier Dolan grammar. Okay. Um, so the the big thing that I noticed was the repetition, the repeated line, "Cespeciela," yes, which is from "I Killed My Mother," and clearly it's in this, and that's about difference. I'm and, sure he uh, says it in heartbeats as well. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm sure mm. of it. But yeah, and they say it in such a "Cespeciela," which just means different, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And actually, Xavier Dolan has said. And I quote, all my movies have been a cry for help, a cry for acceptance of difference, which I think is absolutely the case. Like that's, yeah. that's exactly what he makes. Mm. Um, so it's interesting that he keeps returning to that speciella difference thing. Slow motion. 
Lots of slow motion. Lots of slow motion. Beautiful. That's why the film is two hours, 40 minutes long. I know. Un- yeah, unnecessarily, I would say. But also the surrealist and sort of expressionist moments, I really, really enjoyed them, especially when Fred's reading the poetry and then the water just falls in the room. Yeah. It's not just gorgeous, but beautiful. Yeah. And that beautiful moment with that song by Moderat and New Era, where they're walking down the, the snowy street and they've got the clothing flying through the air yes which is like that it's like a washing motif that he's got going on (laughs) like it's the film starts with Lawrence unloading a load of washing onto Fred and later in the film she's trying to replicate that with her son yeah and then when they're reunited and walking down the street there's washing flying through the air there's also that moment where the snow is falling and it sort of of completely engulfs the frame and then they sort of pull focus and they're sort of shooting through the snow with a long lens Mm. that is gorgeous it's completely painting with textures yeah yeah also more he loves putting his characters in cars he's got a huge thing about cars so in this film it's uh lawrence and fred have like car parties kind of yeah. things where they're just <laughs> in the car with music blaring just spouting bollocks at each other smoking and drinking and just having a wild time well, me and Michael do that just without the smoking and the drinking, <laughs> all the talking. That is such like a, that's such a Xavier Dolan detail, though, that they instead of just sitting around a flat, they sit in their car. Yeah, well, it is, gives it a more claustrophobic, yeah. contained atmosphere. You can't really go anywhere, and yeah. you sat down. Yeah, it's very uncomfortable being in cars. <laughs> I love how she glides into the party. Oh, brilliant! And he has a cameo in that section. He does briefly. It's like yeah, one... sort of sparking up a cigarette. Yeah. So much smoking in his films. So it's disgusting. Oh, you <laughs> choke your way through. Yeah. Um, and also he does lots and lots of extreme, extreme close-ups. Yes, he does. To the point where actually sometimes you can't really figure out what's... You get the feeling of it, but you don't know exactly where someone is or what's happening. Mm. So like when... Lawrence is getting beaten up in the street. You don't really see much apart from her kind of crouched form in a strange position on the floor. But doesn't that completely remove the person from the environment and Mm. just invites you to be completely engaged in the emotion? Yeah. Because it's not about where it's happening. It's about who it's happening to. Yeah. Would you watch this again? I loved the first half. I The first half, I was so absorbed by it. I was just completely gripped and just thought it was some of the best stuff that Xavier Dolan has done. But the second half was just so meandering, uh, just not as focused as, as the beginning. And I found Lawrence less interesting in the second half. I found Lawrence just kind of really self-involved and just just not interesting. So... I'd watch the first half again, but maybe not the second half. <laughs> Why would you? Like, me, like with me and Roma. Oh, yeah, exactly. Although I don't know what the second half of Roma is yet. It's good. Give it a go. Yeah, one day. That's where all the good stuff is. I would watch it again. Yeah? I would, because it's such, it is a long film and there's a lot to take in. And you can obviously take in more on your second viewing. Mm. And you might view it completely differently. You, both you in the general sense, but also you. Me. You. Yeah, possibly. I think this film is the crux of his first style. Yeah. It kind of has both his more his darker, grittier stuff and his flights of fancy. Yeah, I mean just just looking at the progression from I killed my mother through heartbeats and then this, there's a definite 
progression. There's a definite tightening and a definite underlining of this is my style. This is how I construct my films. These are the visuals. This is the emotion. Mm. Yeah. I, I, think it's, I think it's a really interesting development. He's gone from sketching to painting to making gigantic masterworks. Yeah, and he's obviously a lot more confident because he this is a big undertaking. This is a two-hour, 40-minute film. Yeah. He's, he's flexing. He's seeing what he's capable of. Did you know that when uh, the film won the Queer Palmer can, mm-hmm. he actually refused to go and accept it? Why? Because he's... I'm generalising, but he essentially said that the Queer Palm was too marginalising. It shouldn't be there. He sh- his film should stand as a film on its own without being put into a queer box, which I kind of understand. It's a bit of a cheeky move to be like i've won the award but i don't fucking want it no i can i can understand that like yeah, yeah. would you would if, look your books would you want your book marginalized just based on who you are and the subject of the book uh, is that a trick question <laughs> <laughs> i don't know I, I if i was up for an award i'd be happy as larry but like you know i can i, I can get what he's saying you know just because this is a story about a trans person why shouldn't it be in the same competition as say you know whatever straight film is out there Hmm. yeah absolutely i agree completely aren't we moving towards you know isn't the culture now moving more towards why do we separate so much why do we have a best actress and a best actor award why can't it just be everyone under the same umbrella yeah there'll be less winners yeah, exactly. But it's, but it's way more positive. So why do we have to have the, best the queer palm? Why can't it just be, you know, best film at Cannes mm. or Critics' Choice, this, that? Nothing to do with, you know, the, the diverse nature of the films, but rather what is the best film? Mm. It's not the Cannes Queer Film Festival. It's the Cannes Film Festival. So the film should be judged and prizes should be awarded on the merits of the filmmaking skills, not the fact that that's a queer film. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't I it, necessarily think we need that anymore. It depends if if the film was nominated for both, you know, the Palm Door and the Queer Palm. Mm-hmm. And if he lost the Palm Door because we got the Queer Palm, then yeah, that's quite irritating. But yeah, I see what you mean about segregating certain types of film it's like okay so do we introduce a best black film at the festival well there we go it all starts to get slightly out of control well it's just a bit backwards yeah this is the first film although he has that cameo this is the first of his films where he doesn't have a starring role he doesn't have a role probably because he doesn't have enough time well he could film realistically he could have played Lawrence why do you think he kept himself behind the lens I wonder if he was worried that he couldn't convincingly portray a straight trans woman because he's played so he's played so many gay characters mm-hmm. or bi characters. I wonder if he needed somebody completely different for his lead role in Lawrence. I wonder if he wanted somebody more masculine, more typically masculine. So there's the the the, the two sides are quite jarring. The fact that Lawrence as is now looks quite sort of rugged and and and, mm. and masculine and that's at odds with the idea of 
femininity. Yeah. I You're saying so. Xavier Dolan would make too, <laughs> far too a convincing woman. <laughs> There'd be no drama. It would just be like, oh, you look great. There you go. <laughs> so that was Lawrence Anyways, directed by Xavier Dolan. We're on Twitter at TornStubsPod. Uh, so give us a comment, give us a follow, and let us know what you thought of Lawrence Anyways. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, and tune in so you don't miss an episode. Give us a hint as to the next film, Joshua. Uh, the next film, we're basically going off into the wild. Oh, are we? Yes. Well, wonder what that could be. Off the beaten track, you might say. Be sure to check out Track by Track, the Trash Music Podcast. Editor-in-Chief Dan and Trash Contributor Will take you through albums literally track by track. They're on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Acast and TuneIn Radio. We're off for Saturday brunch. Until next time, I remain Robert Gershenson. I'm Joshua Winning. Cut. <laughs>